Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott. At IWM, we designed this show to be an online weekly destination for Adventist cross-cultural mission practitioners, trainers, support staff, church pastors, administrators, AVS volunteers, address staff members globally, anyone really who has made the Adventist cross-cultural mission a passion of their life. And as a listener, I believe that you are this kind of person. You see, your commitment and the calling from our Lord is what motivates all of us, what makes this community possible. As missionaries, we take our families to the mission field. And of course, this is not something to be done lightly. Missionary kids, whom we affectionately call MKs, they are on top of their parents' minds, on our minds. IWM team member Millie Castillo spent many years in the field with her husband Edgar. They have two adult daughters now. But as a family, they've gone through all it takes to grow missionary kids. Multiple countries, transitions, schools, homeschooling, community building and assisting their girls at every stage of their journey. You name it. Together with Millie, you'll hear today in this interview Anita Sabot. Anita had been a missionary mom herself. Both Anita and her husband Luke, together with their kids, spent a number of years in Asia, primarily with Adra. With that, let's now transition to the interview between Millie and Anita. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org slash podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Anita, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you. Anita, I met you, your husband Luke, and your children back in 2010 in Italy. Back then, your husband and I were attending the Master of International Development program for, uh, from Andrews University. Then I saw you again in 2012, I think. And I was remember... Was that our return? Yes. Uh, yes, yes, I think it oh, was. Oh, I think that was our, I was our 10 year. That's right. Yes. Okay. And I remember your family. Um, I remember you because I thought you had a great family. I saw you, um, very committed mom. You were always with your kids. I saw you go on outings with them. And I could see that you were a very united family. And also, I thought you seemed to have a lot of fun together. Uh, I know Thank you. you. Have been, we did. Yeah, yes, that's <laughs> what I thought. Um, I know you have been a missionary for many years. So I'm very happy that you have agreed to be here today and share with us your experience and also give us some tips on how to raise healthy missionary kids. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about you, your missionary journey as a family and as a mom of three. Okay. Uh, so um, my husband and I have been married for uh, 26 years and we have three children. Uh, our oldest is 19 and she's a, a girl. And then we have a boy that's 16 and a girl that's 12. And um, yeah, we've been, we were overseas for 12 years. Mm. Um, but before even, even doing that, we, we had always, 
I guess, talked about being missionaries. My husband himself is a TCK. So he grew up, um, yeah, he was born in Madagascar and one year old moved to uh, the Belgian Congo, which was uh, what it was called at the time, the the Democratic Republic of Congo now. And then I think they spent a year in England learning English before immigrating to Canada when he was like eight. So he has a lot of traveling experience himself under his belt. Yes, for sure. And uh, me, um, I'm American. And when I met him, um, I I had already made a decision to go as a student missionary. So although we started dating for about a month before I left as a student missionary, I still went on my journey, which he was a little disappointed about. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that was my that was my commitment. I was no way I was going to go back on that. And I'm so glad I didn't. I spent a year in Mexico as a student missionary teaching English, and I loved it, Uh, worked on my own Spanish. I'm of Hispanic descent, but not speaking Spanish. So that was a really important year for me, for sure. Sure. Yeah. And so basically, we always said it would happen one day, we would one day do mission work. And um, when our kids were about three and one and a half, the first two, then we, uh, we took the plunge, we went and uh, it was a decision. We, we happened to be in the GC area, we took we had the interview and within a month, we were <laughs> making plans to oh, leave. Wow. So it, it all happened quite quickly, but it was very exciting. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So we, you asked where we went. So we were first in Senegal. We were there for five years. Okay. And then we were in East Timor. Uh-huh. Uh, that's near Australia. We were there for four years and then three years in Laos. Laos. And okay. then uh, we, yeah, near Thailand. Yeah. I always give near because a lot of people never hear of East yeah. Timor or, or Laos. So yes. Near, near Australia, near Thailand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and then now we've been back here in Canada for, uh, well, since 2007. So it looks, what is that? Three years? I lose track now. <laughs> uh, 2017? Yeah. yeah. yeah yes, so I think years. it's three years yes. now. Yeah. So 12 years overseas and now three years back. So we've had a lot of moving experiences for sure. And uh, yeah, hopefully I have lots to share because I do have a lot to say about yes, how, yes. Um, um, I'm how sure it works overseas for sure yeah and i did want to mention also that uh, we did give birth overseas so our youngest was born in senegal oh um, so you have that experience as well yes yes it's uh it's a d- different decision for every person depends on the country they're going to be in for sure but for me at that time i felt like it was a, a very safe place for me to give birth i had a wonderful senegalese doctor uh it was oh. in a private facility that i gave birth and uh yeah it was a great experience my other two births were extremely long uh we're talking in the 20 to 30 hour <laughs> range oh wow <laughs> uh, and it, with ending up being like induced into labor to make it finally go uh with medication so i didn't know what to expect and i warned my doctor but she was prepared and uh, by the grace of god this was the easiest birth she came out in eight hours i got to sleep oh. the night it was really it was really wonderful wow <laughs> so yeah so yeah she that was, is she, definitely a, an experience yes yeah so she was just two when we left senegal so she kind of regrets not getting to remember all that heritage of what she was born into but right. yeah it's part it's part of her story yes she does have a senegalese um birth certificate so she has Senegalese nationality if she wants it up until she's oh, 18 wow. and then when she's 18 <laughs> she has to decide whether she she's going to keep it yeah yeah or keep something else the only thing Senegalese can share is with France so she keeps okay. threatening me that she's going to keep it and, and give up her American and Canadian citizenship but 
I don't think she really will. <laughs> That's wonderful. So your kids have been experiencing transitions since a very young age. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's one a characteristic of missionary kids. You know, they experience transition. And of course, we all experience some transition in our lives. Um, yeah. And each family member experiences in a different way. Mm -hmm. But missionary kids, for them, this is a big thing. And there is no perfect way of experiencing it. But there are certain things we can do as parents, you know, to help mm -hmm. our kids deal with transition. And one of these things is creating a sense of stability for them or a sense of home, wherever they are. And this mm -hmm. is related to building the family history. And that is very important to provide a place of identity for our children. So let me ask you, what things did you do as a family to provide uh, for the stability your children needed? Any family traditions that you had or, or maybe some things that you brought from home to make them feel at home where you were? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for, for one thing, I, I think we've, as much as possible in all the countries we lived in, we tried to celebrate all the holidays. So if there are local holidays, we are happy to learn about them and to celebrate them. But we still kept our traditional holidays from back home as well. And I think that was important for our kids. They, they were able to grow up... Um, hiding Easter eggs and giving Valentine's cards to each other in the family and of course Christmas and whatnot. And I think it's, this was important to them because when they came back here, it wasn't something so foreign, like what is all this hoopla? I don't That's even understand right. it because mom, you know, brought that hoopla to the mission field, uh, what best I could. Sometimes it was a, a regular school day and, and we still celebrated in our, in our way, but um, yeah. So I think mm. celebrating the holidays is one thing. Another thing is, um, Kind of like souvenirs from back home. I would always, when we came home over the annual leave, would like buy them T-shirts. I'm American, my mm -hmm. husband, and I have become Canadian, so my husband is also Canadian. He's also Belgian, so we have quite a bit of heritage. <laughs> but still, especially for yeah. Canada and the U.S., yes. we really tried to like buy them T-shirts from the country, uh, so they could just be proud of it, you know, and uh, wear right. wear their gear with pride because they need to feel a connection back home as well. Um, another mm -hmm. thing is birthdays. I have been very big on birthdays. Um, and I know it might be maybe, uh, you know, a debate between some parents, but I think that it's okay to celebrate them full on the way I would have done back home. And so that's what I did. And I remember in Africa, uh, them, uh, when we were in Senegal, inviting their whole class, uh, on a birthday trip, which was really an event because I took everyone for this ridiculously extravagant day, but um, it, it was fun for them. It was like a field trip for the whole class. We we went, you know, oh, wow. uh, jumping on a trampoline in town, which some of them have never done and might not have ever done again. We had the full-on piñata in the yard and the shaped, you know, cake that mom made with a Barbie doll stuck in it, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever the theme was that year. And I'm sure those kids will, they'll remember that birthday party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, you know, at first I wasn't sure is it, you know, I don't want people to feel like, oh, well, they don't get to celebrate their birthdays that way and this type of thing. But in the end, you know, the people looked to us, we were kind of their little local celebrity <laughs> missionaries in town and uh -huh. why not give them what we could? And we just, we just celebrated all the birthdays. Exactly. Full on, yes. you know, themed birthday parties. Yeah. And, and to do that, of course, you got to bring stuff back. So um, when we would go on um, annual leave, I just remember always leaving with like 
two or three suitcases, but then rolled up in those suitcases were duffel bags, Canadian hockey bags, <laughs> these big, big duffel bags <laughs> that we would roll up. Yeah. That we, when we came back, we would expand out into the full set of possibly some years, <laughs> eight to 10 pieces yes. of luggage coming back, <laughs> yes. which um, just made things nicer for us because we got to bring back, you know, shaped candles or whatever you just can't get when you're, yes. when you're in certain Think, countries. Right. That's right. <laughs> Things that you, your kids knew, I mean, from home, and then you could bring them. I remember doing something like that for, for our family, too, when we went home. Wow, interesting. Um, you know, at Mission Institute, we represent the transition process uh, with a plant. And I, I, I don't know if you guys remember oh, yes. that when yes, you I came do. to Mission Institute. Yes, at the beginning, the plant is in a pot. The roots are spread out. It's comfortable. It's been watered. It's fertilized. But when you take the plant and transplant it into a different pot, the roots of that plant are stressed and they suffer a little because you have to break them, you have to pull them. The plant might look a little withered for a while, but then, you know, if you take good care of it, if you water it and if you provide fertilizer, soon the plant starts setting roots in this new pot and it thrives. And I think that's what you were doing with your family. You know, you were... Uh, putting all the conditions that they needed to thrive in the new place it's the same it's the same with our with our families you know when we bring them from one culture and language to another it's hard sometimes and it's hard for us as parents to see our children struggle a little um i remember i i saw my girls struggling with language uh, struggling to make friends and we might even feel tempted to spare them that struggle of becoming a part of the new culture, but that is not healthy, you know, um, because we're not promoting the love and appreciation they should feel for diversity. And also we're teaching them that only our way is the right way of doing things and other ways are wrong. And that's also not right. Yeah, and most importantly, we're preventing them from all the benefits of experiencing another culture and the advantages that come with growing up as third culture kids. Um, so let me ask you, um, can you share with us, what did you do to help your kids be part of the local culture or to adapt to the new places where you live? Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, we always tried to get involved in whatever we could. So um, like with holidays or even ceremonies, um, I think back to to Laos and their um, the ceremony that they have with the Pimai festival, which has to do with uh, the blessing and they use water to show the blessing, which, which has to do with a whole religion as well as a culture. But for us, we felt that as long as we were participating in it reverently, we could, we could celebrate that with them. And I just remember being in the Adra office with the whole family and them doing this ceremony which they wanted to bless us with and, you know, us knowing nothing about that, but accepting mm -hmm. what, what that gift was yeah. <laughs> from the, this office full of, um, yes. of locals, mostly non avenous locals. Um, so yeah, it was, it was always a, a very nice experience to let the kids be a part of that as well. And of course that festival ends with this fantastic um, water fight in the streets, which is so much fun. <laughs> so that, that was, that was a big highlight of <laughs> oh, our yeah. kids' life in, in Laos, for sure, is the Pimai Festival, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they, they remember that. Yeah, and also just... You know, fondly. Exactly. And also just allowing them to be part of things. So when um, my husband had to go out to the field, sometimes it was just best we didn't go because it's quick and it's all business. But sometimes it was nice that we took family trips. Uh, and, oh, our kids remember 
those so well and they speak fondly of, of these times. And maybe it did seem like forever that they were waiting, um, you know, outside the van while we talked to some local officials inside a house or whatnot. But but at the same time, they 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 just remember, um, you know, taking out a deck of cards with some local kids that they couldn't even speak their language because the language we were working on learning was the language spoken in the city, not the one spoken in the oh. village. So <laughs> just oh, wow. just being really clueless, and you know, Sophie, my youngest, trying to you know share a toy with a with a girl that was happy to share it with her but really couldn't communicate at all so it, they're good experiences uh, and maybe at the time it feels like a lot of waiting around or a lot of what is happening today because we're just kind of traveling from place to place in the field but boy do they they love those memories now that they look back on them oh yes yes yeah you know when we let our kids participate in the culture we're, we're setting an example of what it is to do mm -hmm. mission to really do mission you know and that's right. that's also what we call incarnational ministry. And that's so important that the kids learn at a young age, you know, that they can participate because that's how they get to to know the people and that's how they get to to love them. So um, you have kids mm -hmm. uh, and teens now or they, they're teens now, all, all three, right? Uh, the last one's preteen, almost there. <laughs> Almost there. Okay. Yeah. And I had teens at some point. Mm -hmm. And you and I both know that these these are some difficult years yes. <laughs> for both the parents and the kids. And this just adds to some of the challenges that TCKs already face, such mm -hmm. as identity challenges. Some of the challenges that I remember my daughters faced were related to finding a, a group where they would feel that they belonged, especially when they came when we came back. Um, from the mission field and also adapting to to leaving their friends behind um, or developing new relationships and but what the one i remember the most was restlessness it seemed mm -hmm. that after a couple of years of being in one place no matter how much they liked the new place they were ready to leave at any moment did, did your kids face any of these challenges? Um, yeah, I mean, different, different ones, but for sure, there, there were so many. Um, I think, especially of the situation of the local church, I really remember, um, well, I guess in two out of the three countries, uh, we, we just attended local church in one of those two countries, we did speak the language in the other one. Um, we, we did, we, we barely could manage market language. Um, uh, in Laos, it was a, you know, it's a, a uh, a tonal language so <laughs> it's a hard language I, I also, ma and, yeah. ma, and they all mean three <laughs> different words which i can't even remember what those three words mean but anyway <laughs> oh so, wow yeah so the tone has to do with everything so we really i i worked really hard at it and i did i did well like for how long i was there i managed market you know market talk but to be able to understand the sermon at church or even to try and participate in the sabbath school was a struggle for sure and i think that was really hard on the kids we oh, we kept course. we kept going to local church uh every sabbath uh because we felt that was important but we we were there symbolically because we really were not getting anything out of it in most cases other than the fellowship yeah. so so that was hard i think for them for sure um uh, and and in in that we we were able to find um, a, a solution, I could say, in in that we realized that we could reach out to the missionary community. It didn't just have to be us and what other one possible Adventist missionary were there. We could reach out to the whole Christian missionary community for 
for a source of, yeah, of community. So that was really nice uh, to discover. And it made a big difference for our teenage, our oldest teenager when we were in Laos. Um, we, we managed to kind of get into this nice youth group that was, that was, uh, here and there. And eventually, you know, ourselves helped lead it and helped grow it. And we had this really nice group, um, maybe even, uh, maybe even like, I think 20 or 25 teens that we would have coming. Yeah. And we, we, and we did retreats like a yearly retreat and, uh, great parent participation in it. It was really nice because it made a great difference for the, uh, for my teenager at that time, I think that was a huge part of her experience there for sure. Yes. Um, and they, they got together for yeah. Bible study. And I'm sure it was also a way of witness. For sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, they, they would yeah, study together. Yeah. Yeah. They would study together, which was interesting because, you know, they're, my teen was on her own defending her position. So that was, it's all good. It was Wonderful. All good. Yeah. yeah. You know, TCK experience is both challenging, but it has its advantages. You might, you might agree with me. And this is the great paradox yeah. of kids that grow up overseas. Um, despite the challenges that they might face, mm-hmm. this same cross-cultural upbringing provides them with some benefits and some gifts that are for life. What are the gifts that you see in your kids as TCKs? And how do you see them use those gifts? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think uh, they have a certain openness to all cultures. I, I think that has uh, kind of been in, ingrained in them that you can learn from anyone and 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 be a friend with anyone. And I, I think that's something that has stuck with, especially the older two. Um, and uh, also to be easily able to make friends. I think because we leave in five or four or three years, or like you said, even two, um, they know get get right down to it because <laughs> we might leave that's soon. Right. So let's just jump right in and make those friendships. Um, I think that's that's one thing. And also just the readiness to travel. Uh, you, you called it um, maybe uh, eagerness or restlessness, which is true. Restlessness, also, yes. Yeah, it also is the, the positive side of ready to travel. You know, if there's something that oh, comes yeah. up and we're like, we, we need to go and we need to do this. They're like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> we can, we can do that. Uh, we can and, do that. And yeah. just, yeah, pack up and be ready to do something if needed. So, um, right. yeah, it does lead them to loving travel. And I'm experiencing that with my oldest now. Um, she was one year at Southern after graduating uh, from our local Adventist Academy. She went one year to Southern and was ready to try something new. So she's at in France at Adventist Colleges Abroad this year. And then, um, yeah, going back to Southern after. Oh, wow. So. Did, was, was this her choice? Did she want to yeah, uh, do and yeah, she, go and do that? Yeah, she right away, she thought of Villa Aurora because we had spent um, four summers there, like, like you did um, with those courses my husband was taking for um, um, international development. So she kind of thought of that, but then, you know, after thinking about it more, learning Italian versus learning French, which her heritage, you know, her father is Belgian, so, and her grandparents are French. So, like, it, it made more sense to do the French. So, yeah, she went to France, and she is loving it there, And but, you know, anxious oh, to I'm move sure. on to the next adventure <laughs> at the end of this year. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Oh, boy. Has any of your kids um, expressed the, the wish to go out as missionaries? like like your family were missionaries yeah uh, you mean in their future yes in their future oh yes um absolutely my um my son uh kind of surprised me when he said that um yeah he definitely whatever he does in university he plans to 
uh, do something with Adra that, that comes to his mind because of course we were with Adra for so long. Um, and I was like, Oh yeah. Okay, good. That, that sounds great. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was a surprise for me to hear him say that, but he just knows how broad the experience was and how, how it opened his mind. And I, I think he wants to provide that to his family as well. Wow. Yes. And when the time comes, he'll be ready. Cause you know, this is something that he's done all his life and he just, yeah, this is just, you know, it comes natural to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, Anita, um, before we end, uh, is there anything you would like to say to missionary parents out there that will listen to this podcast? Yes, I, I, I do want to say that I think um, it's important to let your kids have opportunities to socialize with expatriates. Um, I, I know we're there for the locals. That is our primary purpose. But if we don't give them an opportunity to... Uh, socialize with expatriate people, then we can't really expect them to know how to understand and deal with those people once they come back to their home cultures. So, um, you know, you know, there are certain nuances in, in, in North American culture that you're only going to pick up on if you're with North Americans. So it is important to let them experience friendships with those kind of people and um, help them get to know those kind of people. We can't, we can't exclude them from our circles by any means. As well. Yeah. And also I did, yeah. And also I did ask my children <laughs> if they have any advice. I told them all three that we were doing this. And um, mm -hmm. so I have a little, a little thing from each of them. So uh, my Great. oldest, um, yes. she says uh, not to force your kids to move on when you leave a country to let them mourn. And so she says she feels like it took her, I think she, she said four, um, four months. She feels like it felt for her to finally let go of that, um, that place that we were at and, and embrace the new place. So, um, you know, maybe yeah. not, not, oh, okay, we're here. Enjoy it. You should be happy exactly. because it's better than the last place. It's not a hardship zone anymore. Or whatever yes. positive points you want to point out. Let them that's, mourn. That's right. Yes. That's validating their feelings. Them. Yeah. Yeah. It was a part of their life. Uh, it was their life in some cases, depending on what age they were when they started that life. Um, so, so let them, let them mourn it. Um, my, my second oldest, my son, he says to focus on your kids. And I, I asked him after, so did I, are, are you saying I did or I didn't? Are you, <laughs> which way are you leaning with that? No, no, you did, mom, you did. Uh, so focus on your kids, he says, and let them have all the experiences and do all the things while they're in the mission field, because um, they'll always look back fondly on those memories. Of course. Yeah. And then my youngest says, this is her big advice. She says, take them to all the fun places once they're old enough to remember it. <laughs> that, of course, that's coming from, uh, you know, a yes. girl who can only be told she was in Dubai. She doesn't remember passing through Dubai. And yeah. We tell her she was, yeah. she was in Scotland when she was two months old, but she had of no course. <laughs> That's a good says, one. Wait yeah. till they're older. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. That's a very good advice. Um, I've heard some families, what they do is they try to, you know, later in life, maybe take them back. Uh, when they're older and they can remember and not just by, you know, pictures or what the parents tell them. <laughs> so, yeah, that's wonderful. Anita, um, you and I were talking at the beginning of this podcast that there is so much that uh, you would 
share with us. And I think, you know, these experiences definitely have to be shared. And I appreciate you so much for um, being with us today and taking your time to talk to us and share your experiences and also with other parents that are raising kids in the mission field. We can see how important it is uh, for strong family relationships. Uh, and this is a major factor that determines how kids cope with the cultural challenges. And the best thing you can do is to be present in their lives and to be empathetic. Yeah. Um, Lauren Wells in her book, and I'd like to end with this quote from, uh, from her, in her book, Raising Up a Generation of Healthy Third Culture Kids, she says this, in the soil of the challenges is where my most quality traits were planted, waiting to be nourished by wonderful souls who would pour in love and understanding. And that is exactly what parents should be people who would pour in love and understanding as they raise healthy third culture kids. Thank you once again, Anita, for being with us. Thank you for joining us, friends, on another episode from IWM Podcast. And see you next time. I'm so thankful to Anita and Millie for what they were able to uncover in this interview together. If you have follow-up questions for Millie, get in touch with us. Write me at otta at gc.adventist.org. I'll happily put you in touch with Millie. To conclude, I'd like to remind you that the IWM team is running live events. These are called webinars. We're doing this at least twice a month. We do this together with our many partners from multiple missionary-minded organizations around the world. A webinar, as you might very well know, but let me just describe it very quickly. A webinar is more than a podcast. You get to participate in an online video conference, which usually lasts around one hour. You meet others, you're able to create connections, you're able to ask questions, make suggestions. It's a more immersive experience. Check our upcoming webinars page on the IWM website. The link is in the show notes. We do those at least twice a month, and we'll be happy to see you participate. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Remember, a new episode is published weekly on Friday. Blessings. Blessings.